0: Feet go, your feet go, your hands do, your mouth speaks. If you're an engineering student and you went to Purdue University and you spend four, five, six years and you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars for your education, when you leave that classroom with your degree and you march on forth, what do you do with that degree? You look for an engineering job, do you not? And that which you studied is that which your hands do and your feet go and your tongue speaks. You are a student this morning, August 29th. You're in a classroom. It is a sanctuary. Your bulletin said as much. Purposes for the Bible being written, for doctrine, for instruction, for Teaching in righteousness. You are a student. You are here for about an hour. And then you will leave this place. What will you do with what you learn this morning? Not talking about last week. I'm not talking about the week to come. What will you do with what you learn uh, this morning? The text is Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8. King Uzziah has died. The great prophet Isaiah was blessed because in the 40 years that King Uzziah reigned, God allowed Isaiah to be alive at that time. And he saw a mighty king, Uzziah, and he saw a king who was closer to God than virtually any other king in Israel's history. And then Uzziah dies and the prophet Isaiah and the Christians in the land, they wonder what will happen now that the mighty Uzziah has died. And it's more than irony that on that night, Isaiah has a dream, he has a vision. And in the vision, God says, Who will go forth now? Whom shall I send? Who will go for us, namely the Trinity? Who will replace Uzziah? And Isaiah says, I don't know what you're going to ask me to do, God, but here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. Every Christmas Eve, we share the story from Luke about the birth of our Lord and Savior. We share it for the Gospel. But every Christmas Eve and every Christmas Day, for these 32 years I've been here, we share one other Scripture. It is not dramatic, it is not poetic, it does not give you goosebumps. But Titus 2, 13 and 14, which we share every Christmas Eve, it tells you why the babe of Bethlehem has come. It says this, Jesus came for two reasons. Number one, to redeem his people from their sins. And number two, to set aside a special people eager to do his works. doesn't say that he set aside a people that are forced to do his works. It doesn't say he set aside a people that are fearful of going to hell if they don't do his works it says he set aside a people eager to do his works, passionate to do his works, available at a moment's notice to do his works. Once every couple of years, I mention the Boston Marathon of years past, the explosion at the end of the marathon, and the cameras uh, taking pictures of Hundreds of people running as fast as they can away from the fire and the smoke. And as you're watching on television, you are stunned because you see people running into the fire and the smoke. And you're sitting there thinking, are they crazy? The firemen and the policemen and the paramedics and the common citizens, they are running into the fire and the smoke. And after... One of those firemen comes out of the smoke. The cameraman says, why did you do that? Why did you go into the fire and the smoke? And he said, some people when they see things like that, they run away as fast as they can. But others of us are geared when they see the fire and the smoke. They run because they know there are people in there who will need their help. A policeman, a fireman, a common citizen, they don't sit and analyze the situation. 9-11, the anniversary, right around the corner again. They didn't sit and analyze the situation. They moved. Feet move, hands do, lips speak. They moved. And that is what Titus 2 says about us. We are eager... To do his works. The sermon is entitled The Matter of Availability. There are many great abilities that people are born with genetically, or they acquire, or they cultivate, and they demonstrate to others. In service to God, there is one ability greater than all others. Some people have the gift of sociability. They can talk to anyone. They never know a stranger. I envy people who have the gift for gab because I'm not geared that way. There are some people who have the gift of compatibility. They can get along with anybody. They're the type of people you want in the church or the school or where you work because whenever there's a discord going on, they're the ones who can calm things down. And then there are people who have the gift of adaptability. You have individuals who say, this is what I've got scheduled today. I don't want anything to change. Don't mess with my mind. This is what I wrote. This is what we're going to do. And you have other people who, when plans need to change, in a heartbeat, that's all right. That's all right. We'll do this instead. Sociability, compatibility, and adaptability. They're great qualities that individuals have. But the greatest one is availability. They might be great in their time, their talents, and their treasures. But if they're not available to God, to make use of that moment that God wants them to move, if they're not available... They become a liability in the work of God's kingdom. 1 Peter 4.10, it says this. Use whatever gift God has given you. Use whatever time God gives you on this earth, whatever talent you have. Whatever treasures you have. Use them to serve others. Faithfully distributing God's grace. In its various forms. The gifts that people have are as many as the people on the planet. This one has the gift of administration. This one, the gift of mercy. This one, the gift of calmness. This one, the gift of intellect. This one, the gift of power, of wealth, of wisdom, of charisma. All sorts of abilities. But the ultimate test is this one from Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. No matter how gifted you are, if you have not made yourself totally, completely available to God in every situation, everywhere, at any time, for anything, if you are not available to God... For the individual that he has sent across your path, for the opportunity that he's whispered in your ear, if you're not available to God, that moment can be wasted eternally. The woman at Sychar's well. Jesus doesn't come upon her, she comes upon Jesus. And that woman's life, when she comes upon Jesus, it is changed so drastically that her world is turned upside down. She goes from being the person gossip about more than anyone in that town's history into the person who listens to Jesus, comes to know him, runs back into town. The 200 people there come out and they listen to him. And they become believers. And they tell their relatives in Bethany and Joppa and Jerusalem about Jesus, and they become believers. Are there a 100,000 people in heaven because Jesus was available at Sarkar's well in the two minutes that it took the woman to arrive and begin her work. What is lost in your life? Growth for you personally. And what is lost in another person's life? If he sends that opportunity across your path, and you are not available to him. When you interview for a job, there are questions asked. When are you available? You say Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Are you available on weekends? No, I'm not available on weekends. When you're his child, when he's your professor, He doesn't ask you when you're available. He doesn't ask you what you're comfortable with. He sets up the service opportunities. I'm putting you in this fraternity because a year from now, someone in this fraternity is going to need you. I'm going to send an opportunity across your path. You've got two seconds to decide what you're going to do. It's going to happen a year from now but I'm putting you in this fraternity now because of what's going to happen a year from now. I put you on the cheerleading squad, I put you on the football team, not because of you, but because there's someone on that cheerleading squad or there's someone on the football team that is going to go through a trauma so great in their life that it could change the entire path of their life. And I want you on the football team And I want you on the cheerleading squad. And I want you in that AP class because I'm going to ask you to feed them with your compassion, your mercy, your care, your knowledge of God. I'm going to ask you to be there for them. When the opportunity comes, What will you do? Will you say, I'm too busy? Will you say, I've got stuff going on in my own life right now? What will you do when the professor says, I have trained you in my word and in my promises, and now here comes this opportunity? When Uzziah died, God said, who will go for me now? Whom can I send? And Isaiah raised his hands. To be available for God requires two things. It requires you to be prepared. That's a brain thing. That's a head thing. The Bible is written for doctrine in order to teach us. But in order to be available, you need not only preparedness, you need to be ready. And the readiness is a heart thing. Your brain will tell you, don't get involved. And your heart will say, how can I not get involved as this is presented to me? David Will you go for me? 100,000 Israelite soldiers and no one will go against Goliath. David, will you go for me? And David said, well, God, you know, I'm 120 pounds and the armor that Saul put on me is 90 pounds and I can't move. And God didn't say to David, I'm not talking about your armor. I'm asking you, will you go for me against Goliath? And the 15-year-old boy said, I will go for you if you're with me. Jonah, will you go for me? Will you go to Nineveh? You're already a preacher, and now I'm going to ask you to go to Nineveh, the most hated people on this earth. Will you go for me, Jonah? And Jonah said, nope, I won't go for you. And God said, well, if I put you in the belly of the whale for three days, will you change your mind? And Jonah goes to Nineveh, and 120,000 people come to the faith. Daniel, will you go for me? Will you go into the lion's den? You don't have to if you don't want to. Will you go into the lion's den? And Daniel said, I will go. And after he went into the lion's den, the king came the next morning, And when he saw Daniel alive, he said, your God has saved you. Our people in this kingdom will worship your God. Disciples, will you go for me? And the disciples say, well, we don't know who Jesus is. And they all run away, and then Pentecost comes. And God asks a second time, will you go for me? And every disciple goes and they serve the kingdom for 30 or 40 years and they die martyrs' deaths. Will you go for me? Samson, will you go for me? Not for 40 years. I'll have nothing to do with you, God. I'll live for myself. But on the last day of my life, Samson, will you go for me? And Samson says, send me your spirit, and I will go for you. Thief on the cross, will you go for me? And the thief on the cross looks around and he says, Jesus, are you talking to me? How can you be talking to me? I've had nothing to do with you the entirety of my life. And Jesus says, will you go for me, thief on the cross? And the thief on the cross says, I believe in you. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the thief on the cross, his story in the Bible, is perhaps more powerful than any miracle Jesus ever did. Because for trillions of people, they are told through that story, it is never too late to believe in him. And he saves. Teachers, doctors, nurses lawyers, plumbers, mechanics, junior in high school, freshman in college, athlete, extrovert, introvert, African American, Chinese, Hispanic, Caucasian, male, female, will you go for me? At the moment I ask you to be involved, will you go for me? You say you don't like to be interrupted. Jesus' entire life was interruptions. He's at a wedding. Run out of wine. Jesus interrupted. Going into Jericho, blind Bartimaeus. Help me, help me. Jesus is interrupted. Stop, Jesus, Zacchaeus needs to talk with you. Stop, Jesus, they've run out of wine. Stop, Jesus, a crippled man is being let down through a hole in the roof. Stop, Jesus, a leper is running back to thank you. Stop, Jesus, the woman has touched the hem of your robe. Wake up, Jesus, your disciples are afraid of the storm. He will interrupt you all the time police officer, fireman, common citizen, he will interrupt you all the time. And when he says this moment for me and for them, what will you do? I close with Anne Frank. I've been going to Payless Hospital for 32 years. And a thousand times I have stopped in front of something written in cursive on the wall at Payless Hospital. I stop every single time I come to this statement. And, Frank, 13 years of age, goes into hiding with her family, hiding for fear of the Nazis, who will take their lives. She writes a diary. When the family is discovered and she is sent to the concentration camp and her family is sent and everyone dies except her father, Otto, when Otto comes back, Someone gives them the diary that his daughter had written. And this 13-year-old girl, imprisoned behind a bookcase, fearful of her life every single day, she writes in her diary what is inscripted on the wall at Payless. How wonderful that no one need wait a single moment to improve the world. How wonderful that no one need wait a single moment to improve the world. Something as simple and powerful as a smile. Something as powerful as going down to New Orleans next week to help the Red Cross help people recover. How wonderful that no one need wait a single moment to improve the world. And I wonder if Anne Frank, when she wrote it in 1943, I wonder if she realized it would be shared this morning at Trinity Lutheran Church in the year 2021. God has given you the abilities to improve the world Are you available for him? In our Savior's name, amen. Would you rise for a moment as we pray? I wanted to sleep in this morning, but I'm here. My sleep was interrupted, but I'm a student here in the sanctuary. I didn't really want to teach Sunday school, but all of a sudden, God kind of hit me broadside. I didn't really want to join a small group. I didn't really want to sing in the choir. But all of a sudden, God hit me broadside. And He's asking me to do it for the sake of my own growth and the sake of someone that I might be able to help. Lord, You call us every single day to different activities that fall under the same category, can I be of service in your kingdom. In our Savior's name, amen